Together is better. It always is to do life together and to accomplish a goal. As we continue on this series, we wrap it up next week. I'd be remiss not to approach and talk about how you do life together, this finished goal together as married people. And so today you're going to hear encouragement. You're going to hear a challenge. You can potentially be convicted. You're going to be affirmed to, to do life together. We talked over these last six weeks about this blueprint that's been placed from the foundation of the world for us. It's there. Jesus has made it. He said, this is what I've created you to be. And so we've been talking, how do we stay on this path? How do we continue this journey? How do we become the person that God created us to become? Now throw this into the mix. Those of you who are married, how do we do this together when she likes this and I like that and I like the mountains and she likes the beach and and she likes uh, Italian, and I like just give me, give me meat, just meat and potatoes. It's, I mean, what do you do? How do you balance all that and still work together, accomplish this goal, and, and be what Christ intended you to be? How is that even possible to do that in the context of marriage? How do you finish together without finishing apart? Or better said this way, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. Somewhere along this journey of trying to become the man and woman that God has preordained from the foundation of the world, it is easy for us as married couples to get off track, to start chasing our own dreams. And and Jesus reminded us, he had a conversation, just listen to this. It was with his disciples and they were asking, okay, Jesus, tell me about this marriage thing. How does it work? Give me like, what does it mean? And how does it play out? Just listen to this. Jesus responded with these words from Mark 10. Don't turn there, verses seven and nine. He said, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife. And the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. You probably heard that in one form or fashion in a marriage that you've been to. Till death do us part, unite us together, and not allow us to be separated. So what's the word unite mean? How do you, how do you get united? I mean, in this journey of life, when, when husband and wife come together and, and they kind of see each other across, sorry about the inappropriate attire, but that's the best I had. And, <laughs> and they see each other across the board. It's like, oh, she's cute. Oh, boy, hunky, hunky, hunky. <laughs> And so they see each other. How is it possible then when these two meet, they kiss, they get married, and they, you know, hey, let's do life together. How do you do life together? How is it possible to achieve this goal while still becoming the person that Christ wanted you to become? Is it possible to remain together or is it difficult? Jesus said we should be united and we should never be separated. What's the word united mean? The word united carries the the context of, 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 of acting as one, a single entity, becoming one, not independent of each other. And so we're about to read, Paul comes on and adds to that. He says, okay, now that you're married, now that you are leading her, now that you're leading her on this journey, you're united as one, how do you do this together? Grab your Bibles and turn to Philippians chapter 2, and I'll show you Philippians chapter 2. 
Turn to Philippians chapter 2 and verses, we're going to read verses 1 through 7. Philippians chapter 2 and verses 1 through 7. When you find that, you need a Bible, hold your hand up or ushers will be glad to put one in your hand. But stand with me and we're going to read this. Philippians chapter 2 verses 1 to 7. Philippians 2 verses 1 through 7. Let's read this out loud together. These were Paul's words to the church of Philippi talking about Jesus. And then we're going to see Jesus said, in light of this, he said, you should live as Jesus lives in your relationships. Philippians 2, verses 1 through 7. Let's read it out loud together. Ready, read. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing, by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. You may have a seat. So there it is. There's a prescription. There it is. That's how you do it. That's how you go on this journey, because Paul says, in your relationships, and we're talking about the context of marriage relations, this is what you need to do for each other. Now, it's real easy at the beginning, isn't it? Yeah, I love you. Whatever you want, baby, let's just do it. Uh, and you know, yeah, I love basket weaving too. Hey, let's go there. I won't go play basketball tonight. Oh yeah, yeah. I love taking night walks. Yeah, I, I just love it. And, and maybe, maybe for you as the woman, you, 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 you got a dude that likes to run and hey, would you like to run with me? Yes, yeah, sure. I'll run with you. And you know, I don't even own a pair of running shoes. So you go, you go home and, and you ask your, your girlfriend, hey, you got a pair of running shoes. And, and, and so you Google, how do you run? How do you prepare? And the, the things that you do to be like-minded. It's real easy at first when you're kind of on the hunt. It's like, I'm going to get you. It's real easy. But what happens once you got her? How do you continue that? Paul said this. Here's the prescription. Being like-minded. In other words, if you call yourself a Christ follower, then this should naturally come from within you. So what's the word like-minded mean? How would you define that word? It, it, has, it can take on the context of having similar tastes, similar opinions, or agreeing on something. Or it means dog-like devotion. So when you think about a dog and it's ma- not master, but both of you having dog-like devotion toward each other, what do you picture? It, here's, here's what comes to mind for me. It's like you're coming to Grace today and you're in your vehicle. First, it's the husband driving and the wife's got her head out the window. <laughs> Just as happy as can be sitting in the front seat. I get to be with you. Oh, this is so awesome. Let's just drive and drive and drive. Or it's the picture of her driving and you, husband, sitting in the front seat and you got your head out the window. And you're like, oh, baby, I love you so much. It's dog-like. It's like a dog. It's like you can do, you can never do, the master can never do any wrong. When you come home, it's ex, he's excited that you're there. It's this commitment. I mean, you could, you could not feed him for a couple hours. He can get grumpy just when you do feed him. <laughs> Thank you. It's this picture of, of, of dog-like devotion. Or 
a dreamlike quality. Like mind, it means that'll never happen. That's only like on Netflix when I watch it. Just a dreamlike quality. It describes a picture of common commitment to the same cause so that you both get there together. And no matter what kind of love it is, it must be a dog-like devotion kind of love. Now consider this. When Paul wrote this, this is not only for like, you're saying, about time you talk to him, Pastor Jim. You're like, uh, hold on a second. There's a good one. Do you hear that? This is both. It's not like you're the master, she's the dog. It's not like he's the master and she's the dog. It's, it, it, it isn't. It's, it's, it's together, like-minded, same kind of mind. Stop and pause right now and consider what that might look like, by the way. Paul says, look again in verse 5. He says this, In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. That's us. That's marriage relationship. So how should I treat my wife? Like Jesus treated the church. Have the same mindset. However, the opposite seems to be true in our relationships, especially in marriage relationships. The husband is building his own dream while his wife chases down her own dream. Two people chasing down their own dreams independent of each other. Sometimes it starts out as a common dream. Yeah, hey, hey, let's, 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 let's build this house. And when we get this dream house, we'll be so happy. It's like, I've been waiting on this dream house. Or, or, or how about the timeshare? Or, or let's, get the, let's get the second cottage on the lake. And it's like, isn't that a great idea? Yeah, I love you, baby. We'll just, we'll just look at each other and, and drink coffee and wake up early every day there. But then you know what happens? You begin to pursue that dream. Well, I need to work overtime. So she goes and changes her outfit and goes and works overtime. (laughs) And he begins to work overtime. And what happens is they start on this journey of getting this dream and they separate. And by the time they get to the end of having enough, they're all alone together in this dream house, in this dream business, in this dream adventure, in this dream possession, in this dream truck, in this dream education, in this dream degree. It's like, it started out like, yeah, we, when we get there, it'll be, and what happens is we, we, we set aside relationship. We set aside like-minded. We set aside Jesus And we don't keep him as the connecting point. And by the time we finally get there, we don't even know each other. We chase our kids down. Like the dream of watching my kid do this. Yeah, I'm I'm excited that that they'll become the best band member, that they'll become the best basketball. And so we chase down these dreams and we're running all the place and we don't even know each other. I meet people all the time like that. They say things like this. I don't even know him anymore. I got this incredible house and, we got like a three-car garage, and we got we have a vacation home, and we got a sauna and a hot tub, and and he doesn't even want to sit in there with me. And what happens is, if you're not careful in pursuit of that dream, you end up all alone together. Or the only thing that ever connected you were your kids. It's like. I hear people say that, like, boy, I don't know what I'm going to do when my kids leave the house. They're such a big part of me. Let me tell you something. If your kids are the glue that's holding your love together in your relationship, you're in trouble. J 
Jesus should be. Because you know what happens? What do you do? It's like, I don't even know what to do. We don't have schedules. We don't play games. Then we don't chase, follow them anymore. We don't get in vans. We don't drive through McDonald's 17 times a week. I, I don't even know how to eat anymore. And it's like, when I get down here, it's like, I don't even know you. See, there's a danger. And Paul says, same mind, being like-minded, dog-like devotion to each other. Like, baby, I'm with you to the end. And we're going to make sure that we don't lose each other in this process. And if that means we don't need that, then so be it. If that means that, that, that we deal with less, then so be it. Because you know what? We love each other and we love Jesus. And that is awesome. See, it's a subtle decline, though. A slow fade that takes place. And Paul says we need to have dog-like devotion towards each other. And even better yet, a dream-like quality towards each other. But what has happened is some of us are chasing other things. Like, what? Well, that started out really good. And if you're really honest today, how many of you have those moments and you think, I don't even know him as well as I used to know him. Like, I don't even know her. She's working like night shift. I'm working day shift. And, and we don't even connect. And every time we see each other, it's on weekends. And it's like, even then, the kids got ball games. And we're, it's like, we don't even, we don't even talk. We, we have nothing in common. It's like, what happened? I tell you what happened. Somewhere along those tracks, you began to run independent thinking that that thing right there was more important than you and Jesus. It's a subtle decline. And I hear people say, you know, we were really good at this relationship thing in the beginning. And you see, you can't be like-minded unless you do it together. This passage gives a picture of two inseparable minds. Deep down, you know, this is what's best for you. And you, right now, when you hear this, you know. It's like, boy, I need to correct the coordinate points. It's like, I need someone to say, recalculating, 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 recalculating. I need to listen to the Holy Spirit recalculating my life because what will happen is this. Some of you will get to the end of whatever you're pursuing. You won't even know each other. And you'll say, that wasn't even worth it. So you know what happens next? I hear this. Well, we don't love each other anymore. It's like, I don't feel like I love her. And he's got his thing. She has my thing. And you know what happens? You become roommates instead of lovers. You sleep in. That's okay. You can be away. You can sleep in the other room. You can sleep in. No, that's not okay. Some husband needs to stand up and say, we need to do something about this. That's what a leader does who loves Jesus Christ. Saying, this isn't right. I want more. We need more. I need to give you more. Then Paul said this, not only like-minded, he said, having the same love. Look again in verse, verse two, he says, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. How many marriages could use a good dose of just having the same love towards one another? What kind of love is that? Well, we're talking about Jesus, right? This is the picture of the, the, the great kenosis passage. This is like the, the, the passage where we go to where, where, where Jesus emptied himself. It's like, he gave us life. He, he, he left heaven. He, he became an embryo. You know, I was thinking about that again, that analogy that I used years ago, that, that Christ, the King of kings, Lord of lords, reduced himself to the size of a piece of sand, an embryo. 
king of kings, day after day, he was worshipped. I mean, he made executive decisions about creation. He holds the world together, and he reduced himself to a piece of sand and embryo. And I was thinking, when I walk to the beach, you know what I do with sand? I try to get it off of me. He made himself nothing. How often do you do that so that your wife could be loved or your husband could be loved? Think back to your marriage vows. In some form or fashion, you committed to be there for better or worse, sickness and health, good times and bad times, till death parts you. In my mind, you know what that pictures? That pictures fighting for them. You know, well, my wife, and she does it because she knows my love language and she feeds my love language. So when she speaks to me words, when I hear it from Anne, it's like, the chest goes about six. And when she says, Jimmy, Jimmy, come here, Jimmy. Jimmy Brown from Hagerstown, come here. Let me tell you something, Jimmy. I will follow you anywhere, baby. <laughs> I could climb this wall. It's, it's love. It's, it's pouring that love in, into my heart. It's, 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 it's feeding me when I need to be fed. But do we really commit to our vows? Many of us said, I do, many, many years ago. For some of us, it was many years ago. And some just recently, you stood and a, a minister of the gospel stood in front of you and he said, by the power invested in me as a minister of the gospel, stayed in and I pronounce you husband and wife. And you've heard that. And you've, you've had the vows. And he asks, he reads these vows and you say, I will or I do. And you see, I see the bride's face. She's like, I'll follow you anywhere. And, 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 and he's looking at, oh, baby. And then you meet him like in six months, and it's like, and then a year, it's like, how's it going? Well, I'm sure I'm glad I said I do. But you know what happens to many of us? I do, somehow the I gets dropped, and you add another do, and it becomes do-do. That's what happens to these marriages if you're not keeping Jesus at the center of it. That's why I love Nehemiah 4.14. Nehemiah 4.14 says this. Nehemiah says, after I looked things over, I stood up. I said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, fight for your brothers, your sons, and your daughters, your wives, and your homes. It's this picture of this love that says, I'm with you to the end. I'm going to fight for you. You know what we turn that verse into? Fight with each other. Song of Songs, Solomon gave us some great wisdom when it came to dating relationships and marriage. And there's this verse in Psalm, Song of Songs 2.15 that says, watch out for the foxes because they will destroy your vineyard. In other words, stay on guard against the foxes. Stay on guard on those things that, that after you get married, stay on guard against them because what will happen is they'll divide and conquer. See, that's what the enemy is trying to do every single day of your marriage. He's trying to take the hand in hand that you have and he's trying to divide it. And so he, he brings these foxes into, into the vineyard that try to separate. And if you're not careful and if you're not being the scout or the guard or the protector of the family dudes, fathers and husbands, if you're not doing that, the enemy will come in and he'll want to divide and conquer and separate. That's what he He's really good at it, and he's been good at it for a long time. So Solomon said, watch out, stand guard, fight for. Even as I speak today, some of you know that there's been places where there's holes in the walls and you have not stood your ground. Let me just say it this way, men, husbands today, we bear great responsibility for fighting for our families and our wives. 
We are to be the spiritual leaders of our families and marriages. You are the gatekeeper. And when you let Satan in, all hell breaks loose. And you know what? You'll end up one day down at the end of this path. If you allow that to happen, you'll be, you might be 50, 60. You might even be retired. It's like our dream. I want to retire one day. Let's save, 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 save. Let's have like millions when we get there. And you finally get there because you've been working all this overtime and doing all these things, trying to build, 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 build. And by the time you get there, it's like you're all alone together. You don't even know each other. See, here's the reality, men. Those of you who are married in this room and in the link and across the world that's watching by internet, here's, here's the reality. You will end up all alone together unless you love and you have the same mind as Christ had for the church. One day, if you have children, your kids will leave. It's like, if that's what's holding you together, they'll leave one day. One day, they'll leave the house. They'll go and remain single or they'll get married, but they'll move out. If they're 30 and it's a dude and he's still living home, get him out. (laughs) One day, they'll move out. And guess what? Guess what the prize is for your wife at that moment? (laughs) You. (laughs) You're the prize. That's like, that's what you've been working for. You're saying, baby, hey, another 25 years, just you and me. (laughs) Every day you get me. (laughs) Same for you wives. 20, 25 years of children, they leave the place, they leave the home. And it's like, we're working towards that day. We're loving every season, but there's gonna come a day where you will wake up, ladies, one day. Guess what? (laughs) You're his prize. What will be your response in that moment? Is it enough? Is it like, I can't hardly take, can't keep my hands off of you. That's what it should be. You see, but if you let foxes in, they'll divide and conquer. What are some foxes? Counterfeit pleasures. Like, you're tired and you're weak, and it's like, you've been up late at night, so let's just go to the internet, and let's go on my smartphone, let's look at porn all night. That'll really feed me. I feel good. I feel so much better about myself. It's like pornography. If that's what's feeding you, if that's a fox, let me tell you what'll happen. Number one, it's sin. You need to confess of it. It'll divide your marriage. Maybe it's your kids. Maybe they become your idol. Maybe, maybe you're worshiping them. And it's like you worship them at band rehearsals and band practice and, and, and sporting events and, and dance classes. It's like that's become your idol. You're worshiping your kids when they leave. If, you, if that's been what's holding you together, there'll come a day when you're not together. Maybe it's your pursuits. Maybe you want a car or you want a tractor. It's like, boy, those new John Deere 760, whatever they are. It's like, boy, I can get one of them. It's like GPS. All I need to do is press buttons and I don't even need to steer anymore. I can read a book. If I just had one of them. Maybe it's a business venture. Maybe this is the time you just, right now with your wife, you just grab a hold of her hand and say, honey, somewhere along this journey, we got it all mixed up. It's time to get back on track. I wonder how many couples out there feel like that today. They no longer catch the eye. I mean, she could walk stark naked in front of you and you no longer catch his eye. <laughs> 
Why? Because you let the foxes in. You brought in, you brought in the second string and the third string and the imitation. It's like, and, and you've let that satisfy. You believe the lie from Satan that's better than your wife. It is a lie from the enemy. I wonder how many would like one more walk with their husband and wife, even in sub-zero weather, just to say, let's start over, please. I wonder how many of you are spending most of your marriage trying to fix the other person instead of just loving them. Some of you are even listening right now and saying, I can't wait to get home so I can press play for him. Maybe God is saying, work on your relationship. Jesus had an answer to this, by the way, and I, I love Jesus' response to this. Like, just picture for a second. Jesus in marriage counseling. You're going in, you're going to see the counselor. These would be his words. Turn to John, John chapter 13. Like, you're having marriage problems. Turn to John, keep your finger here. John chapter 13. You're having marriage problems. Jesus said, okay, come on in. You schedule the appointment. You sit down. And then he says this in John chapter 13, verse 34. A new command I give you. Not just an old one, a new one. Love one another as I have what? Loved you. So you must what? Love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you what? Love one another. So picture you're coming in and you're like, okay, what's the problem? Well, when she does this, I mean, I'm just ready to run. And, 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 and when, when, when he does that, it's like, Jesus, give it to him. I mean, think about it, Jesus. He, he does this, he does this, he does that. I mean, while you're at it, Jesus, can we use the Old Testament method? Go grab a couple of those angels that used to wipe out thousands with the sword. Can you just kind of just, just, just a little bit? Jesus, I'm sure that would fix it. And so back and forth, and then you'll hear, I don't, I, we just don't love each other anymore. It's like, it's not like it used to be. I don't feel like I love him. And so Jesus would speak truth. Like, okay, Jesus, what do you think? He's going to say, grab your pen, grab your paper, write this down. This is what you need in your marriage. Okay, what is it? And she's thinking, give it to him, give it to him, give it to him. And he's thinking, oh, yeah, that nagging woman, just give it to her, Jesus. Just keep me off the roof, okay? Then he says, here, write it down. Love one another. Wait a minute, Jesus. I, I don't feel like them. Second time, love one another. But, 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 write it down. Love one another. No conditions. But it's too hard to do that, isn't it? Because you have so much baggage and so much many memories. Why should I love him or her when this has happened? Here's the deal, though. This is great. This is great. I mean, you'll remember this one. The foundation of staying in love is to make love a verb instead of a noun. And the more you make love, I like doing that for my wife, the more you make love a verb, the more you make love. Guys, are, are you, dudes, are you listening? Then it's easier to make love a verb. It's not rocket science. Jesus said, love one another. When you love one another, you want to make love with one another because they're loved. And when you fill that tank up, you're loved. 
Don't you remember how easy it was in the early days? But somewhere along the journey, you made wrong decisions to chase your dreams independent of hers. Then Jesus says this. Look, look back at Philippians chapter 2. Here's what you need to do. He says, verse, verse, verse 3, says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Do not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. And he says this, he says, do nothing out of selfish ambition. That carries the concept of literally no competing against each other. So many marriages like, well, I'm not doing this. I'm keeping score until he does these three things. Then I'll love him. No, it's, it's do nothing out of selfish ambition. Nothing. It's not, it's not visitor against home team. It's not guest against home team. It's not like you wake up each day and you got this competition going, well, I'll, I'll make sure I get what I want. I'm going to pout. I'm going to manipulate. I'm going to control. I'm not showing up. I'm just, I'm going to come late until she speaks, until she does, till this, till he. No, it's, it's nothing out of selfish ambition. When it becomes a competition, it's you against them. And you know what happens then? You will end up all alone together. It's better together. That's what Christ wanted. Literally, live your life like they are more important than you. Wait a minute, Pastor Jim. You mean, why should I do that? Because verse five says, live out your relationships like Jesus did. And Jesus, you know what he did? He came and made us look like we were more important than him, didn't he? Came to cross and die for sins. There was nothing we could give him. He made us feel and he showed us being a servant that we were more important than him. But here's the problem. We gravitate towards things that interest us and not the people we love. We just do. I mean, we, we live our lives in such a way that, 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 that we don't even want or concerned about their interests. Like, hey, what are you doing tonight? I don't know. I, I'm going to go over here. And it's like, I mean, even sometimes when you ask wives, what's your husband do for a living? I don't, I, I, I don't know. Leaves at six and comes home at three. Sometimes he stays to five. He's at that building. I think it's like at that plaza or complex or industrial parkway. I think it's computer stuff. Like, you talk about gigs and jigs and jigs. And, and uh, he must be pretty good at it because <laughs> we get paid every week. When's the last time you just got really interested in your husband's work and then you could speak some life into him and say, dude, you do that well. And when you do that, wow, I bet you're the best in the workplace. And I bet that no one does it like you. And you know what? If I was in the workplace with you, I would let you be my boss. (laughs) You see, that's foreign to us. Well, I'm not doing that, Pastor Jim, until, until he does this for me. Jesus said, no, make them more valuable than make their interests more important than your interests. Schedule your schedule that includes their interests and say, what do you want to do? My wife enjoys watching movies and, and I do too. I mean, I, I like Braveheart, Rambo, um, Gladiator, um, <laughs> Just do that. That's how I'm wired. And so if she, she from time to time, and, and, and I got checked in the spirit about this recently. I really did. And I, I, I've made a concerted effort to, to, to chase her interests. And, and recently I even initiated, like, like she want to watch these movies. It's like when you put chick and flick together, it's like, I'm out of here. It's like, there's nothing about that that like 
Oh, baby, I can't wait. It's like, it's like I mean, are, are there's some coming attractions right at the beginning of it about Gladiator, then I'll watch it. You know, it's just, and so recently I've just been working at just initiating just two movies. Hey, you want to watch a movie together? She was like, <laughs> and she told me later, she you know what, Jim? She says, you've really been making an effort to pursue my interests. And I was like, oh, that's going to be a good night. <laughs> Hey, we're married. It's okay. (laughs) It's not rocket science, guys and gals. It's loving them above you. It's having the same mind. It's realizing that maybe you're chasing this dream, and you're getting at the end of it, this dream, you're realizing, boy, we don't even know each other. It's realizing, I want to do life with you. We can go farther if we do it together. Then it says this in verse seven. It says it in verse seven. It says, rather he made himself what? Nothing. He made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. You know what we say about men and women? We'll say things like this. Instead of, when's the last time you, you, you've actually said, um, he is full of himself, isn't he? She is full of herself. When's the last time you ever heard anyone say, he is empty of himself? She is empty of herself. We don't even say that. That's what Jesus modeled. He emptied himself. That means we pour into each other. We go the extra yard. At the end of the day, we are worn out from serving our spouses. See, we don't like that. you you, You like half of it, as long as he does it. As long as she does it. What would happen if we just did it together like that? I'll tell you what would happen. We would look more like Jesus Christ. And we would get to the end of this journey together. Jesus gave all he had for us. Imagine that happening in our marriages. For some, it's been a very long time that you felt any kind of love, like-mindedness, empty, being poured into, into your relationship. Today you sit here and the Spirit of God is saying, I'm empty. I know there's got to be more. Somehow, some way. It's got to be different than this. And then the Spirit of God follows it up by saying, do something about it. Don't wait on her and don't wait on him. Wouldn't it be just absolutely awful to get to that dream house, to purchase that dream hot tub, to get that dream business and be all alone together. I think it's time we get back on track and go back to the starting point and say, okay, what is it? When we said I do, what did we commit to? To be united until death separates us. Jesus, help us today. Help us to take this message to heart. Holy Spirit, I pray in an unusual way, just supernatural way right now, that you would peel off scales and calluses that are on hearts and minds. I pray that you would strip baggage and memories that we're holding against. And I pray, instead of trying to fix that we would give and serve.
truth of the matter is this, God, if we don't, one day we'll end up all alone together. In Jesus' name, amen.